You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Nicky and George Bremer here with you. George, I don't know about yourself. I am super, super excited for this midweek pod here. we got not only a very special guest, but we're also really kind of starting to sink our teeth into mock draft season. The Athletics Dane Brugler, one of the smartest draft minds uh, that you're going to be hearing his name throughout a ton the next few months here. We'll be joining us here in a few minutes. But also, George, not only is he joining us today, he also put out his latest mock draft for the Athletic earlier this week. I think it's fascinating because you look at, at what uh, Dane so far is projecting. Now, I guess we got to say this out of the start, right? It's early. It's when we're recording this January 19th. So we're going to have, at this point, what, probably 10 other iterations of mock drafts throughout you know the next three, four months. It's going to be a lot of talk, a lot of chatter. I'm sure a lot of things are going to change. But at least early on, you have Dane Brugger putting out his latest mock draft, with, which had two things. Let's start with number one. He had the Colts trading up from number four to number one. It's been talked about, it's been speculated, but he actually put kind of the move in motion here. And I'm curious your thoughts on the competition. He had the Colts trading up from four to one, and it included the Colts giving up their first uh, round pick, which is right now currently number four, their second round pick for this year's draft, which is currently number 35, and a 2024 first round pick. And that is obviously the Bears accepted that trade. Is that enough, you think, if you give a first, second this year and next year's first? Is that enough in your mind if you're the Bears to accept that trade and go from one to four? Yeah, I mean, you're only going down three spots if you're the Bears. So I think that's a that's a key element for them. Whoever they're looking at at one, they could potentially still get it four, depending on how things break, you know, at two and three, obviously. So I think it's something that uh, the Bears would have to, to seriously consider. And I had heard uh, very early, like literally the, the, day, the day the season ended, you know, that Sunday uh, when, when the uh, – after the Colts game was completed and, and, and we knew what the outcome was for the draft that, that the asking price from four to one, the chart, you know, whatever you're looking at uh, would be two ones and two twos. So that's right there in that neighborhood. Um, And you just have one less two in there. I think maybe you throw a player into that mix. Um, But yeah, I think that that's right. It's right where it, it should be. Um, and I think that's what the Bears would be looking for realistically. You know, again, I, I think for them, a big part of this would be getting that number four pick from the Colts. And so, you know, you're getting a player that that's around the same talent level that, that you were looking at to begin with, and you're getting extra picks. I don't know what about that the Bears wouldn't like. And you make a good point, too. And this is a situation where I know everyone talks about the the Bears having the big advantage, right? Because now you can kind of hold, you know, everyone for ransom and basically have a bidding war start because whether it's CJ Stroud, it's Bryce Young, people want that number one overall pick. But also, too, in a way, the Colts have sort of a leg up on everyone else, maybe outside of the Texans, just because 
if you are the Bears, let's also forget what or not forget what they want. Right? They it seems like want one of those generational defensive players, whether it's Will Anderson Jr., the linebacker of Alabama, or whether it's Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Seemingly, and when you look at them this year, their defense needs a lot of help. So seemingly they want to get one of those two defensive players that seem like they are above everyone else. It's like those two players, then there's a drop-off from every other defensive player in the draft. So if you're the Bears, sure, yeah, you could hold a bidding war and you could say, all right, the, the highest bidder it is, and maybe someone just says three first-round picks like the 49ers did uh, a few years ago when Trey Lanton, the Dolphins moved from three to 12. But you also got to remember if you're the Bears, you want to be able to trade down, but also be able to get one of those guys that we just talked about and, and not trade down so far where now you're taking, I don't know, maybe a fourth or fifth guy on your board you don't, you don't, you know, you're not in love with. So that's where the Colts have an advantage, I think, over almost every team, again, outside of the Texans, just because if you're the Bears, you could drop down to number four. You can get, like you mentioned, this in this instance, two first-round picks plus a high second-round pick, which also, let's not forget, because the Dolphins were docked their first-round pick, there's only 31 picks in the first round. So there's one less player that's going to be taken in the first round that's going to fall to the second round. So you really look at it, you can almost make the argument, that's three first-round picks when you're picking there at number 35 in the second round. So the Bears get three very high picks, to drop down number four and also get most likely the defensive player they want because you got to think outside of the Cardinals sitting there number three, no one's going to really be trading up or be taking a defensive player. So they might get their pick a litter of either Anderson or Jalen Carter. Bare minimum, one of the two is going to be there. So you got to think, George, too, the Colts are in a good spot because, sure, the Texans can or the, the Bears can say, I want the highest bidder, but also they have to be smart in a way where if you drop down to seven or nine, you're probably not going to get the defensive player that you want also in the draft. And, you know, looking at your day two, I mean, as you mentioned, 32 is going to be the first pick on, uh, on the second round now because of the way things shook out in the draft. But at 35 and, and with the ammunition, the bears have with their own picks, they already have with what's going to be added to their pile with the Colts. If there's somebody there that they absolutely love on day two, they could, they have the the firepower to go up to 32 as well and get right. that guy, get the first pick of, of day two. So, uh, which probably the, actually already have it wouldn't they, so they'd be picking 32 and 35. So never mind. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, I, I just think, think about that hall. I mean, just in this draft, four, 32, and 35, and a first-rounder next year, that's four guys who were top 35 picks in the draft who you're going to be adding to your room in two years with a young quarterback who you really like in Justin Fields. If I'm the Bears, I'm really super excited about that. I mean, I, I just think that would be, uh, to me, that would be a really good haul from this. And, you know, I get the bidding war stuff, and we could talk with Dane about this in, in a few minutes. I'm absolutely sure we will you don't have an Andrew Luck in this draft. You don't have a Trevor Lawrence in this draft. You know, we are really high on Bryce Young. It sounds like Dane is as well. We'll find out more about that here in a little bit. But he's not seen across the board as this generational talent. And so the bidding war is going to have a little bit of a ceiling anyway. There are going to be teams that don't want to trade up because of Bryce Young's size. There's going to be teams that don't want to trade up because they look at Young, Levis, and Stroud, and they don't have enough separation between them. It's not going to be that wide open bidding war that there would be if like Trevor Lawrence was in this draft or Caleb Williams was in this draft. That's a good point. That's actually, you're right. hundred percent because so we're high in Bryce Young. does mean everyone else is high in Bryce Young. And even if you are high in Bryce Young, it is a risk with his size. And now it's like, now you got to trade multiple assets and also get a quarterback that if you're not, you know, if you don't feel great about his size, it, like you said, it is a risky move. And if CJ Stroud is maybe the guy, but you're not totally sold and you think, okay, the Georgia game is nice. That's one, like, that's a good point too. Is there's not a a, a 
standout can't miss prospect. Like we've seen, like, the, like I said, two the two quarterbacks in the last decade or so that were kind of in that realm was Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck. That also would help the Bears as well if one of those guys is there, but it's not, which also think helps lower the price a little bit and helps also the Colts as well kind of, again, be able to move up, but also move up reasonably where you're not, you know, giving up the entire, you're not trading the Saints did the entire draft to go get Ricky Williams at number one. And you're just kind of, you know, screwing yourself out of draft picks and screwing yourself out of making the team better in years to come. I think that's, a, like I said, I think it's a fair trade where you're, if you're the Bears, like I said, you are looking at four top picks in the next two years and a team that really desperately needs talent everywhere. I don't really see you say no to that. I don't see how there's going to be a better uh, offer on the table unless the Texans just say, screw it. We want Bryce Young no matter what, and we're going to get matched with what the Colts have. You can go from one to two instead of one to four. Barring that, Colts are sitting there with, with I think, the, the best offer that the Bears could have. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, again, the more I think about it, they, they've got the ammunition to trade back into the bottom of the first round if they want to with 32 and 35, you know, you come back in and, and get two first round picks in this draft. So I, if you're the bears, uh, it might be the best offer you can get short of, as you said, the Texans, if the Texans really want to move up one spot, um, you know, and they're going to give you something similar to what the Colts are offering uh, as far as, you know, the number two pick, obviously. And if they're going to give you their second rounder, which is higher than the Colts second rounder, maybe you do that one instead. But outside of that, I, I don't know anybody else that can really give you this kind of offer. Arizona's not going to be in that market. They're, you know, they're the other right. one with a pick higher than the Colts. So, yeah, if you go b- below Indianapolis, now you're, you're you're running the risk of taking Anderson and Carter off your board. I mean, as long as Houston takes a quarterback, as, as most expect right now, the Bears would still be guaranteeing themselves one of those two defenders. Without a doubt, 100% right. And that's why I think it's a, a win-win in this case for both teams uh, if that trade is made. So, okay, so Dane Brugger, and again, we'll, we'll talk to him here in a little bit about just this, you know, this this trade-up. But also, too, he has the Colts, George. It's not just us. I, I've Maybe it's just me. So you tell me if I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm misreading it. I think we're on an island in terms of Colts fans and even Colts media in terms of predicting or not even predicting, but just saying this should be the guy. I don't mean, I feel like we are kind of one of the few that are saying Bryce Young, Bryce Young, Bryce Young. Dane Brugger not only has the Colts training up, he does have the Colts taking Bryce Young at number one up. Are you with me? Like, do you feel like we're on an island here or is it maybe just uh, it's overblowing and you see, you know, a few Twitter handles that say, no, CJ Stroud or Will Levis, and it's just making more of what it actually is there. I think there's definitely not the momentum behind Young that I thought there would be coming out of the season. And not just with Colts fans. I mean, you look all over NFL Twitter right now uh, and people are not, you know, they're more on CJ Stroud and, and Will Levis and even Anthony Richardson's name you hear more often than Bryce Young's. Not saying that people put him ahead of him, but there, there's more talk about him right now. Uh, than there is Bryce Young. And a lot of that on, on the Colts side comes back to Ballard's tendencies. You know, I think Lance Erline was on a podcast last week or the week before. He's a guy that is very close to Chris Ballard. Everybody knows this. You know, the, he, he's Ballard's his mentor in, in the scouting community. And, you know, and he said he couldn't see Chris Ballard trading up for Bryce Young because of the size. And I think that's driving a lot of this, too. A lot of people are looking at comments like that and saying, well, it just won't happen. One thing I keep remembering, and I talked about this a little bit on the last pod, but you know, yeah, Ballard definitely that that's a that's a major factor, and it, it, Young may be off their board. I don't know. Um, obviously, not in that room. I don't think they've made a board yet, so he's not off yet. But eventually, he may be off that board. But one thing that Ballard has mentioned again and again is that these size things are in place, and he doesn't want to go and and take an outlier because you're going against against history. But he's also said that there are other traits that can override that. And so 
the unknowable part of that for me right now is whether Chris Ballard looks at Bryce Young and sees a generational playmaker as a lot of people do. And that's another thing I can't wait to to ask Dane about. Same because like the two things I'm fascinated about is he obviously has a cult, like he obviously is a believer in Bryce Young. He has them, he has him going number one. And he has interesting enough, Will Levis going two to the Texans, kind of citing a lot of the, the size traits that we talked about on the last pod, in which in case you missed it, I think last pod was a great primer to get ready for this one. So if you missed it, me and George ranked our top four quarterback prospects that the Colts uh, should draft. It's Will Levis, it's Anthony Richardson, it's CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. We ranked those four guys in order of how we would draft them. So if you want to check that out, those are our, if you want to say, big board of the official Blue Horseshoe Pod uh, quarterback rankings. But two things I'm fascinated to know from Dane, especially for someone who does, does this for a living, is number one, outside of size, is there anything else you can knock Bryce Young for? Because that's the only thing, like I said, we're talking about is size, 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 weight, height. But like you mentioned last pod, too, I think astutely, it's more probably weight being at one, you know, 90 than it is, you know, his actual height of being six foot. But also outside of that, what's the gap? What is the gap between a guy like Bryce Young and everyone else? Because if the gap is wide and even the size is still not enough to kind of push you off and be number one. We're talking about, you know, a sizable gap here between Bryce Young and everyone else. Like that's all the Colts house have to figure that out where you're right. If they are sitting there number one, it's, it's risk reward, but also, you know, are you really going to take a lesser quarterback or a quarterback? That's a way bigger question mark. Um, then the, you know, any of those other three guys, cause I think you're right. Like you mentioned before, there's no angel like the Zoe Trevor Lawrence. I think for the most part, all four quarterbacks have definitely flaws. You can talk about, but it's like outside of Bryce Young is, is, does he have another flaw? And do the strengths, uh, of the other three quarterbacks make up, you know, and close the gap on a guy in Bryce Young where the only really negative thing you can say right now, George, is that he's too small. Yep. No, it'll be really interesting. And I think that's what's going to come down to in, in Ballard's decision-making is what is that gap between those three quarterbacks? If he looks at, in particular, Stroud, Levis, and Young, you know, not just how are they ranked, but what is the gap between them? Because if he feels like in, in – looking at how we think things will play out, this is the case, that he can stay at four and get one of those three guys. He may not be willing to give up all the extra stuff to go up to one. That's that's the big question I have as we get into this offseason, you know, that part of that ranking. What is the gap? I think that's the biggest, most important element of this. And at least for, for Dane's latest mock draft, he has the Colts, like you just mentioned, trap to number one, getting Bryce Young. Will Levis going two to the Texans. C.J. Stroud will say, quote-unquote, falling to number five at the Panthers. Uh, he has a, a trade up there for Carolina, moving up to get their quarterback from Ohio State. So C.J. Stroud, the third quarterback off the board. And fourth, going 15th to the Lions, is Anthony Richardson. And that's assuming, and Dane kind of mentions as well, Jared Goff being there in 2023. So kind of, again, being one of those bridge guys where Richardson is a very developmental quarterback, has some physical traits, but still is very raw, very unpolished. He has a Lions at least taking Richardson at 15, but sitting for, let's say, a year, kind of having him be like Trey Lance. So at least all four quarterbacks, again, it's early, I know, but at least in this uh, latest mock draft, Dana's all four quarterbacks going in the top 15. So we'll, we'll kind of get Dane's take on these quarterbacks, why Bryce Young is number one, if there's any other reason outside of size, kind of be concerned about him going number one overall. And what truly is the gap between Young and everyone else? So it's, we'll talk to Dane Brugler, uh, the athletic draft analyst, when the Blue Issue Pod does return. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. we got a lot of content coming your way, including a lot of draft content with the Colts sitting there at number four. Going to take a quarterback. The only question is who and if they will uh, trade up. So that's why we do welcome the athletic NFL draft analyst, Dane Brugger. Does a tremendous job. One of the best draft analysts you will hear now in this draft season. So we appreciate Dane joining us. You're a very busy man, Dane. So let's get right into it. You released your uh, latest mock draft this week. Dream scenario for myself and George. We kind of joke around that we are kind of the the Bryce Young podcast here because there's not a lot of Colts love towards the Alabama quarterback. You have him trading up from four to one and drafting Bryce Young. The biggest things you hear about Bryce Young is his size. So I'm curious, two thoughts here. Number one, why is Bryce Young number one on your board out of all the other quarterbacks? And outside of size, is there anything else you can point to that's an area of concern if the Colts kind of going to have some pause about taking uh, Bryce Young number one? Uh, no, it, it's all about the size. I mean, that, that's the main drawback. Um, and it's not just that he's short or a little bit smaller. He is a complete outlier in terms of uh, the size and the frame. And this isn't a case of, well, he'll get to the NFL, he'll put on 10 pounds and he'll be fine. He, he just doesn't have that type of frame. And that's okay. Uh, you know, it, it's, I think we've become a little more accepting to smaller quarterbacks. Uh, but this is really going to push the limits. And with the Colts especially, we know Chris Ballard has certain uh, benchmarks. Uh, we know how much he loves the traits uh, and with the size and how much value he has in that. But his job this offseason is to find the best quarterback. And in my opinion, that's Bryce Young. Uh, he is a point guard on the field um, in, you know, almost quite literally. He has a, a point guard background. He trained in, in basketball. And you see that on the field with his, his spatial awareness, his vision, his instincts. It's really something special. It allows him to create. And it, 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 Alabama last year did not have the best talent at wide receiver. Offensive line was very up and down. Had a superstar at running back with uh, Jameer Gibbs, but he didn't usually have the same uh, offensive firepower in that Alabama offense. And he had to do most everything on by himself. Um, he's a very quick-minded player. He processes everything very, very well. Uh, it just comes down back to the size. Uh, and it's not just that he's smaller in terms of seeing over the, uh, uh, over the offensive line. It's uh, a matter of he embraces the chaos. He almost welcomes it. Uh, he's, he, he's, if I move in, in you know, just uh, get, uh, escape the pocket, get off structure, uh, that is going to allow this route to develop a little bit more and come open. He, that, that's how he lives. That's how he thrives as a quarterback. In the NFL, an extra half second can get you killed, and he doesn't have the body type to take a ton of hits. And so this is not a player with growth potential. Um, you know, he doesn't have that type of body type. His arm is closer to average than above average. He does not have uh, an elite arm, you know, in terms of arm strength. Um, it, you know, especially you see the, the deep ball. It'll lose some life downfield. But I think it's it's plenty good enough to be an NFL starter. Um, so there, there are some questions with Bryce Young. He is not a perfect player by any means, perfect prospect. This isn't like Trevor Lawrence, where it was just a no doubt about it. Put him at number one. That doesn't matter. He's going to be the first pick. That's not the case here. And it will be fascinating 
to see each one of these teams, how they deal with a complete outlier at the quarterback position, because so much of the quarterback specific things that he does are off the charts, but there are some, some of these drawbacks that we're talking about and how will that, uh, how will teams, especially if a team needs to trade up like the Colts, if they're looking at that, how is that going to play into their evaluation? So it's just a, it's a really fascinating quarterback group. Yeah, we're looking at, I mean, in terms of size, we're looking at T.Y. Hilton here, aren't we? Like, in, in terms of his frame and <laughs> yeah, his build. At the combine, I, I'm just my guess, he'll be 5'10 and a half, probably about 190 to 195 pounds. Um, you know, it's just, he's, and we know he's not a big guy. It's not like it's going to be some big revelation when he comes in small at the combine, because we know that's just, it's just not a, a strength to what he is as a player. Um. You know, one thing that that I was kind of wondering, and I know that that Ryan had this question too, as you're ranking the quarterbacks in your order, where's the gap? How big a gap is there between Bryce Young and whoever's number two, and who is number two on your board right now? I do have C.J. Stroud from Ohio State at number two, and Stroud is a difficult evaluation because um, from the pocket, he's surgical, uh, very very accurate, sees the field very well. Um, understands uh, how to read pre-snap to understand where the, the weak spot, the vulnerable spots are in the defense. Um, my biggest issue with Stroud uh, for you know 95% of the season was he's not a creator. He's a passer. And in today's NFL, I want a creator. I want a guy that uh, can live outside of structure, that when the pressure comes home and I have to move my feet, I can take the yards if they're there or I can buy extra time. CJ Stroud is not comfortable doing that. Until you throw on the Georgia tape in the in the Peach Bowl in the college football semifinals, and you see him do some of those things, and so now uh, his evaluation is a little more uh, uh, tricky because okay, I've seen him do it. I know he can. Is he comfortable doing that? Making that a regular part of his game? Going back to high school, he's always been a pocket passer first and foremost. He's just never been comfortable using his legs, um, and he's not a a bad athlete is not a great athlete, but he's a very functional athlete. He can move. So it's just a matter of what you believe. Do you trust that he can make this a part of his game moving forward? Um, I e Even before that Peach Bowl, I still had him as my number two quarterback because of how good he is from the pocket. And so I, I do think – I don't know that there's a huge gap between Young and C.J. Stroud. I think they're, um, you know, they're, they're both up there in the top ten. Um, and then there's probably a gap after them uh, talking about Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson, guys that have all the tools you want, but they're just not the most accurate quarterbacks. Um, and if you want to believe that they're Josh Allen and will connect the dots when they get to the NFL, uh, then, you know, OK, I mean, maybe they maybe they will. Um, I, I think both are going to go in the first round. Uh, will Levis could you know, in my mock draft he had going number two to the Texans. I think teams will look at everything that he offers. Uh, from the size to the mobility to the arm strength, uh, the toughness, the intelligence. There's a lot of things that you look at Will Levis, and it's in the it's in the pros category. Um, but when you watch him on film, you just you wish there was more. You wish he was seeing things faster. You wish he was more consistent with his accuracy. Um, and, and so there are things, there are drawbacks that make you really think twice about it and give you doubt. So uh, you know it really will be interesting. The teams that uh, you know focus on certain things in a quarterback and other teams that look at other things and what they choose to believe and project. So, and that's why this is a quarterback class. You, 
look at one team, they might have a different one, two, three order than another team. Will Levis could be quarterback one for some team and Bryce Young, they don't even consider because they're out on the size, uh, not even a consideration. So it's, it's a really fascinating quarterback class in that respect. To Dutton, CJ Stroud, Dane, like I said, that Georgia game, it makes it so tough because like I said, you saw a lot of great things and I'm glad you were to use the word creative. That's kind of the perfect word to describe what he's able to do against that Georgia defense. But you mentioned before 95% of his college career at Ohio state, he yeah. didn't use his legs. He wasn't running whatsoever. And I also think that was a guy where when the competition got tougher, whether it was Oregon in 2021, obviously both Michigan games, he struggled with his question in the second half as well. There feel like, to me at least, is a tendency of him to kind of play some of his worst games in the biggest moments. Is that something you look at and have concern with with Jay Stroud, or you kind of look at that Georgia game and kind of maybe put to rest a lot of those concerns uh, about whether he's a creator and also whether he could play well in the biggest moments of the season? Yeah, obviously you don't like that. His two starts against Michigan were both losses. Um, but I do – it wasn't – it's not like Michigan scored 13 points in those games. Um, and it was right. something that got away from him, um, and I, I don't put that on C.J. Stroud. Now, it certainly helps that in the Peach Bowl – or it, really, look at the last two bowl games. The Rose Bowl was outstanding. Mm -hmm. uh, look at the Peach Bowl. Uh, gets a better defense, a really good defense. Um, I, I think the, uh, the Peach Bowl is the best game he's ever played in his life. Um, and as that, as a kind of a mic drop, when you leave college football, not a bad way to go out, even though it was a loss. And I know that that weighed heavily on him. Um, and part of the reason why it took him until the final day of the deadline to declare. Um, but yeah, he did things on that tape that make you, okay, like this is, I, I I'm liking this, uh, it, it, just to put it into context, first 27 games at Ohio state, he had one missed tackle in the 28th game at Ohio state in the peach bowl. He had three. It's just, it's a complete, completely different than what he put on tape. Right. And so when you have new evidence, you don't discount that you include it and you try to figure it out. So, um, you know, quarterback is already the toughest position to evaluate because there's so many factors, so many variables um, and CJ Stroud. Yeah. There, there's plenty going on there that, uh, you know, get you excited, but there's some, some things that make you, uh, you know, you're not concerned, but you are, there is a little bit of doubt there because you didn't see it enough. Uh, there wasn't a body of work, uh, but at least you've seen he could do it. And if you've seen it once, you know, he could do it. And that's something that a lot of teams will uh, rely on throughout the process. Is it safe to say, I, I hate even using this term uh, at times, but is it safe to say that maybe CJ Stroud has the highest floor of the, of the top quarterbacks in this draft? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you could certainly make that argument because, again, he is the most accurate of the group. Um, he is the most consistent from the pocket. Um, I, you know, I, I think that you could absolutely make that argument because I think you at the very least, uh, like my comparison for him for much of the season was Jared Goff. Like, I, I, I think that there are some parallels there. And, you know, Jared Goff's a fine quarterback. I, I think he's, you know, uh, you know, almost uh, you know, led the Lions to the playoffs this year. He could be a functional starter. Um, you know, if the Lions had a better defense, they probably are in the playoffs. Um, but uh, could he be more than that? And that's that's kind of the question. But to, to your point, I do think it's fair to, to say he has maybe one of the higher floors. Now, it's tough with uh, with Young because I, I think a lot of what he does is going to translate well. It's just a matter of can his body hold up? Can he take better can better uh, uh, care of his body and not taking those big hits? Uh, and so because of that, sure, I, I think you can make that argument with C.J. Stroud and his floor. When you look at the Colts too, Dane, like they are, they are a team that you know does have some offensive pieces with with Jonathan Taylor, with Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce out of solid year. But they also, you know, it's not like Ohio State where CJ Shaw is playing with a star-studded lineup for two years in a row. Now, I, the Jared Goff comparison is is really fascinating. 
Is Stroud a guy in your mind that does need, you know, better talent around him? Is he one of those guys that his game elevates when the talent around him is better? Or is he a guy, is there any quarterback in this in this draft, let's see, so the top four, that you think has the best ability to raise, you know, a high tide raise all boats, raise the talent around them to play up to a higher level? Obviously, it's tough to answer a question like that when we've only seen C.J. Stroud with uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave mm-hmm. and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison and uh, Igbuke and Julian Fleming and Cade Stowe. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The guys he was throwing to. Um, plus, you know, his left tackle and right tackle are, are going to be drafted in the first two rounds probably this year. Um, it, it's, it, it is hard. That is a part of every – uh, you know, when you evaluate quarterbacks, the supporting cast, I mean, it, it, you don't just discount him because he had talent around him, but it is fair to point out that, Hey, he played with a lot of good players and I, he played in a very quarterback friendly scheme that I think certainly helped. Um, it, 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 that is something that evaluators and scouts will grapple with every uh, draft cycle is how do you separate the quarterback from his surroundings and was it too quarterback friendly? Uh, what happens when it's not so quarterback friendly in the NFL? Uh, it, that there's a level of unknown there. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, a guy like, I think we don't, people don't understand how dependent quarterback is. Uh, if you're not getting the right coaching, if you don't have the right talent around you, it's not going to look great. I mean, look at, Look at Trevor Lawrence the last two years. The coaching was not great yeah. his first year. And, you know, and he was a rookie just, you know, acclimating himself to the NFL game. But in, in year two, when he has a, a coach that's putting him in uh, 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 situations where he could be productive, all of a sudden that looks a lot different. And so uh, quarterback is a very dependent position, more so than people want to admit. Um, you know, you need the offensive line, you need pass catchers, you need a play caller. So I don't know that I would feel comfortable with any of these quarterbacks saying, oh yeah, he will, no matter who's around him, he will elevate everything. I don't know. I feel great saying that about any of these quarterbacks, but, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, whoever invests in these quarterbacks, they do whatever they can to invest around them. Last one for me, you kind of mentioned a little bit, touched on this a little bit earlier, but would you put the generational label on Bryce Young when it comes to his playmaking ability, his ability to to be off schedule uh, and and to just you know create plays? I personally, I do not use that word um, with anybody, um, uh, I, just because I think it it could be overused. Now, I do when I look at his uh, his report. There are elements of his game that I think are I, I will use the word special or elite. Uh, because there are parts of his game that I think deserve that type of uh, descriptor, um, you know, whether it's his vision or his awareness, um, you know, the, the spatial awareness, it's really it's something special. It's, he's a point guard out there. He he, he could be Steph Curry with, uh, you know, being undersized, but also having the ability to understand everything going on around you and making plays. So, uh, no, I, 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 you know, I I know it's some uh, semantics here. Uh, you know, I, I don't like to use the word generational, but I think there are elements of his game where you could certainly use some of these words that uh, you know best describe how good he is in some of these areas. When you look at the other two quarterbacks in this draft class, Stanley, they're going to go. You have them uh, going in the top fifteen. Will Levis and Anthony Richard uh, as mm-hmm. well. I think it's fair to say both are labeled as projects going into the draft. When you look at their traits, size. Uh, height, weight, arm strength, where it's like that's a reason why teams will gravitate towards them more than what they put on tape at Kentucky and Florida, respectively. 
You mentioned Josh Allen before. I think it's a, a really interesting comp. Is there one that you kind of favor over the other in terms of kind of projecting and being a better NFL quarterback of the two? Yeah, and, and to be clear, I, I'm not necessarily using that as a comp, but but I do think that teams, if you're looking, if you're seriously considering drafting either of these two guys, you will think of Josh Allen and say, well, hey, you know, Josh Allen was, you know, he couldn't make, uh, he, he made simple screen passes at Wyoming look difficult. And all of a sudden, you know, he's right. an MVP level player. And so you think that that type of uh, trajectory is going to be similar with these two guys. Um, I do think that Nathan Richardson has a higher ceiling just because he is a total freak show. Uh, he's 6'4", 235 pounds, runs really, really well. I mean, he's going to run in the 4'4s if he even decides to run. Um, and uh, the arm is is outstanding. There's just so much that's going for him uh, from a physical standpoint. Um, but the interviews are going to be a big part of this, where he ends up being drafted. You know, how much does he know? How much does he not know? And what he, what he doesn't know, how long until he'll be comfortable handling those things. That, that's where the interview process through you know, the combine, um, you know, once coaches get involved in the process, uh, the 30 visits, things like that. That's where I, I think teams will be able to feel better or worse about uh, a guy like Anthony Richardson. I think with Levis, he's been around a while. I think people have a better sense for what he is. Um, and I, I think it's when you when you evaluate quarterback, you have to separate the reasons from the excuses. And with Will Levis, he did not the, the expectations coming into this year. He did not uh, play up to those. And so is there a reasoning for this or, or what are we talking about? Are these excuses? And I, I do think there are some reasons. I mean, he lost his play caller. Liam Cohen went to be the offensive coordinator for the Rams. That changed everything. Their, the offensive coordinator they brought in, Scandarello, he's already out. Uh, you look at losing Wandale Robinson and the replacements they had at wide receiver. You look at uh, they lost three guys in the offensive line and what that meant for that that unit up front blocking. Um, you know, you look at just uh, not having his running back for the first uh, month and a half of the season, uh, who Chris Rodriguez, who's going to be a draft pick. So there are plenty of reasons why, uh, you know, Levis did not play up to his ability this season. But, uh, you know, at a certain point, I know people just not even want to hear that. They just it's an excuse, it's an excuse. And that that's fine. But I, I guarantee you some teams will look at that and say, you know, there are reasons why he did not necessarily live up to the hype. And we think that with our coaching, he can. And that's why I think Will Levis is absolutely going to be in the conversation. And to wrap up here, Dane, you mentioned before, I think you're 100% right, like, too many times you put a lot on the quarterback shoulders and they do need help around him with the coaching, offensive line, receiver. And so when you look at the Colts, offensively, it was a brutal year. Offensive line took a major step back. The receivers took a nice step. But again, there are, a lot of them are young and inexperienced. Jonathan Taylor had the worst year of his career uh, in three short years. So when you look at kind of guys down where the Colts are, if they were to draft a quarterback or even get to number one and take any of the four guys that we're talking about here, how many of the four think are day one starters and would it benefit any of these guys or behoove any of these guys maybe take a, take a year off, no matter who it is, kind of have this team kind of get any better? Is there any day one stars you think for sure uh, out of the four guys? No, I do think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud have a very good chance wherever they end up uh, winning the job in training camp from the get-go. Um, Will Levis, I, I think... Uh, you know, I could see him doing that. He's, and I think it's important for uh, teams to understand that uh, is he better with reps or is he better uh, learning? A lot of these guys, they don't get better from just sitting and watching mm -hmm. and learning the playbook. And that, that's not how they get better. They get better from being on the field and going through those, that live experience. And so I think it'll be different for each situation. Um, and, you know, when they bring these guys in, Anthony Richardson, 
I, he's probably going to need some time. There's no doubt. Um, it, it, but at the same time, he's going to uh, get better with some of those uh, you know, live fire uh, type of situations. So it, it will be interesting where uh, Levis and Anthony uh, Richardson end up. What's the quarterback situation? Uh, I, I, regardless of the situation, hopefully they have a veteran there where you're not going to force a guy to be on the field if he's not ready. He can You can develop him at your own pace. Hopefully you just have a plan. And you're not predetermining that plan where, okay, we want this rookie on the field by week six, by the end of the year, whatever. Don't don't predetermine it. That's what training camp's for. Draft your, the guy, whatever quarterback you have a high grade on, draft him, bring him to camp, figure it out in training camp. Um, and, you know, the, the Colts are in a very interesting situation with the offensive line, the way things are. You, you know, they need to make some upgrades there. Uh, you want to see them get better uh, in terms of the skill position. So uh, the Colts, this is going to be a very big offseason, obviously, for uh, Chris Ballard and crew. So uh, it'll be fun to see that what direction they end up going. It's going to be a, a very busy time between now and the draft, just about four months or so. So make sure you check Dane's workout at The Athletic. His latest mock draft is out. Uh, and also the beast, one of the best, the best draft guide on the market. He will be out soon, which is deep dive, not just of the quarterbacks, but hundreds, hundreds of players out there draft that the Colts could be taking later on in the round. So Dane, you're going to be a very busy man in the next few months. Really do appreciate the time. Any Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dane. The beast is worth the athletic subscription yeah, alone. It's I mean, just, just that alone. I appreciate that. I, I, a lot goes into it, so I, I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, best of luck again. Great job, and thanks so much for uh, for giving us a few minutes here. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Nicky, George Bremer here with you. We appreciate Dane Brugler joining us for a few minutes. And, George, look, we talk about downloading, subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod all the time, right? I mean, have you just heard the last 20 minutes of Dane? That is the reason right then and there to be downloading and subscribing because we will have guys like Dane on all throughout the draft process. But that was incredible information. Don't want you to miss that. So, again, make sure you download and subscribe because great information like that does not come around often. And it was just eye-opening. But here's the biggest takeaway, George, I'll say. We are not crazy. We are not crazy when it comes to talking about Bryce Young, when it talking about some of this comps for C.J. Stroud. Not, we don't like Dane just because he agrees with us. We like Dane because he knows what the hell he's talking about. And a lot of what he was saying was similar to the last few weeks of what we've been talking about, George. Yep. No, I think he ranked the quarterbacks pretty much the same way we did. Uh, and, and the strengths and weaknesses are, are the things that we've been talking about uh, throughout these last couple of weeks. And I think that was really fun to see. Um, what I'm really interested in now is is value in this draft. You know, we, we got into that a little bit with him. Um, what is the difference? You know, like we talked about in the opening of the show today, what is the difference if, if you end up with Bryce Young or you end up with Will Levis or you end up with CJ Stroud and what are you willing to give up to make sure you get that player? I, I think that's, to me, that's going to be something that's going on in all 32 of these drafters. You know, Dane mentioned there's going to be teams with Will Levis as number one who don't even have Bryce Young on their board because of the size. Um, and there's going to be, I'm sure there's teams with CJ Stroud as their number one quarterback. There's teams with, there's got to be one team out there that Anthony Richardson's the number one quarterback on their board. So, you know, I, I just think that's going to be really fascinating as this process plays out. As we start to get into the Senior Bowl, uh, which are any of these guys at the Senior Bowl this year? I don't believe so. Because I don't think any are seniors. Yeah, well, I Will Levis. Will Levis is because Will Levis been there for like five years, hundred years. But I think I don't think he is. I know Richardson is is too young. Bryce Young is too young, and CJ Stroud is too young. I think. Yeah. I don't think Will uh, Levis. I got. To, I'll check check that right now. I don't believe so. Um, that that's the case, but. You brought up also, George, an interesting discussion or thought process, you know, a thought experiment if you are Chris Ballard, because you see the latest Dame Brugger mock draft. He not only has a cold trip to number one, taking Bryce Young, 
He is the Texans sitting there number two, taking Will Levis, even though he has in his own ranking, CJ Stroud second there. You would have thought if you're Chris Ballard here, what is it, George? Yeah, I wonder if you're Chris Ballard and you know for a fact that the Texans are going to take Will Levis. It, there's been a lot of smoke around that. Dane's not the only one projecting that. There's been a lot of smoke that the Texans, even if they had gotten the number one overall pick, Levis is their guy. Now, you know, if, if you're Ballard and your intel tells you that that is the case and you know it for 100% fact, do you stay at four? Because it, at that point, you're guaranteed, unless somebody slides in at three and gets, you know, takes takes it away, you'd be guaranteed one of Young or Shroud. And, and the one benefit to me in that, is what we were another one of the takeaways from this talk with Dane. All these quarterbacks need help. Most quarterbacks do, you know, they're all going to need the right coaching, the right line, the right receivers. You need to put more around this QB. So is it better to get one of young or shroud at four and still have your second round pick this year and still have your first round pick next year to add around them? Or is it more important to secure that, that you're going to get one of those two and make that choice yourself and get up to number one? I think it's a legitimate argument. If I'm Chris Ballard, I would not risk it. Like if Bryce Young is, let's just say Chris Ballard agrees with us, right? And I guess it also depends on his rankings, but maybe even if he's a CJ Stroud guy, either one. And if you are, you are, you have the most conviction in the world that no matter who is taken first, the Texans are going to sit there and take Will Levis at number two. Two reasons why I would not, uh, risk sitting there at number four and not kind of, you know, make a move for number one. Number number one, look, he's, I don't see, he's, he's on the hot seat, right? Like his job is in question. He was back this year. A lot of people did not agree with him coming back. I did, but either way, there's a lot of pressure on him to get this quarterback decision right. So number one, I wouldn't want my destiny to fall in someone else's hands where, I don't know, the Panthers, the Raiders, whoever you want, trade up to number one and then take, again, either CJ Shroud or Bryce Young, and then you are left at number four kind of taking the scraps. I don't want to control my own destiny and say, if I have a strong conviction on, on Bryce Young and CJ Shroud, even if it's close, but I favor Bryce Young, I would want to trade up and make sure I get my guys. So if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, you know, my way. Number two, I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do at number three. Let's say, I don't know, let's say for argument's sake, CJ Stroud goes number one. Input whatever, you know, Panthers trade up to number one. They get CJ Stroud. Texans get Will Levis there at number two. Well, if you're a team like the Raiders, if you're a team like, I mean, I don't know. You can name the team you want that, you know, Panthers are a lot of quarterback thirsty teams. I think I just mentioned the Panthers or the Seahawks. Like, there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. You're sitting there, the Cardinals number three. Maybe they don't mind going down to 13 or 10 if they get the right offer. Maybe they trade down because that's another team kind of in flux. They're not going to get a quarterback. They kind of need help everywhere else. What if they trip to number uh, trip to number three, and all of a sudden now Bryce Young's off the board, and you go Bryce, or, you know CJ Shroud, Will Levis, Bryce Young, one, two, three. We don't think the Cardinals are going to trade out, but what if they do? Then you're really screwed because now it's Anthony Richardson or Boston. Now Chris Ballard might be doing the one thing we thought would be inconceivable and trading down because if you're not Anthony Richardson guy, you're not going to take him just to take him. You're going to trade down, get some picks, unless you want to go, you know, Will Anderson Jr. or, or Jalen Carter, and now all of a sudden you're going to be sitting there saying, shoot. Uh, you know, we didn't get sure we didn't get maybe the number one guy. We also didn't get the number two guy. And now we're sitting here with number four. Like, I think it's a possibility where if I'm Chris Bell, I get what you're saying. And again, it's a definitely discussion. If you can keep your second round pick, which is basically a first round pick at their number 35, you can keep your 2024 first round pick. It's obviously enticing, but I would just be afraid to then kind of have, you know, if you get too greedy and it backfires, you are like, you're not just screwed. You are really, really screwed. And then you can basically write your ticket out of town because I don't see how you're going to be coming back in 2024. 
No, ultimately, I agree with you. I think it's an interesting thought experiment because I, I just think there's going to be people who want to take that that approach, you know, who want to say, hey, just stay at four, uh, get the guy who's left and, and move on. But I agree with you. I, I think what if Washington commanders decide, hey, you know what? We're, we're tired of our quarterback court carousel. We're going up to three. We're going to steal this guy. And, and, and you're out in the cold. Um, I do have I, the one guy I know they like in this this draft is Anthony Richardson. I've heard that since October. Um, but I that was back when they had a mid round pick, or, or the thought was still that they were going to be in the in the middle of the first round. So I don't know how that translates now that they're picking fourth overall, because I think you're thinking about who you want as a quarterback. If you're 15, 16, 17, 18, is obviously different if you're four with the ability to go to one. Um, so I do think they they would be open to the idea of trading back for Anthony Richardson, but I don't think that's a good outcome here. You know, I don't think that's what when you have the number four in the pick in the draft and, and you walk away from it. If you're saying, well, we traded back and got Anthony Richardson, I, I don't think that's what you want to see. I would go up to number one, and this is why. I think if there's been one consistent failure during the Chris Ballard era, it's been his hesitancy to make that big splash move, not just at quarterback, but all over the all over the, the roster. You know, a couple free agent left tackles out there the last couple of years. You know, is it a different season this year in, in Indy if you go and get, say, Teron Armstead and you solidify that left tackle spot in that line from the get-go? I just feel like half measures have got to be out right now, especially in this instance. And so I, I agree with you 100%. Go up to number one and get your guy, whoever that guy is. If it's Will Levis, I won't agree with it, but go get your guy at number one. Uh, I That's what I would do. But I think it's an interesting thought experiment, you know, to say, hey, if you knew Houston was taking Will Levis, do you stay at four? That's right. It could be whatever quarterback you want, but if you're going to fail, at least fail your way. I think it's, you know, it's applicable, not to get too deep here, I think it's applicable in life, right? If you're if you're going to mm-hmm. do your own thing here, at least if you're going to fail or just take a big swing, at least do it on your terms and get the guy you want. So if you are smitten with CJ Stroud and he turns out to be a bust or doesn't work out as well as you hope, well, if you're going to get fired, at least you got, you know, I went down swinging instead of what if, and again, maybe, you know, the guy you think he's going to follow, except the commander trade up, and all of a sudden now they get a home run with Bryce Young and CJ Shad. That's the guy, and you're sitting there saying, Oh, we were the team that was going to draft Patrick Mahomes, but he went 10 and we weren't aggressive enough. And now look at them, look at us. So it's like, I, I'm with, I think definitely be aggressive. You're Chris Ballard. And I don't think at this point, a, a trade up can be honestly too pricey just because, again, if you are able to get the guy and you have that conviction of this is my guy, I want him over any other quarterback, and, and I think he could be the answer for the next 10 years. I don't think we'll be sitting there looking at, you know, oh, he paid too much. I look at the Chiefs and the Bills. I couldn't tell you right now, George, what the, what they gave up. But I'll tell you, even if they gave up five first-round picks in a row, I would say that that's, that's still a fair deal. And that's still, you know, well worth the price of a Patrick Holmes or a Josh Allen, where you see where these two organizations have just transformed to more than ever. A thing I liked about – oh, sorry, George. I want to cut you off here. No, I was going to say, even the Texans. I mean, everything that happened with Deshaun Watson, you got, right. what, three, four good years out of him, and then you got this historic haul from the Browns, and they traded up to 11, I think, or 12 to get him. So um, I think the only wrong move here is, is not staying with your conviction. Find your guy and get him. That should be the only goal. I totally agree. Totally agree. By the way, I answer your question, I do not see uh, Will Levis on the senior ball roster which if you're not a Will Levis fan is big. I know Chris Ballard's a big senior bowl guy. So if you can't spend the extra time with him, maybe there's a little less, you know, time for him to get, you know, too attached uh, if you want to say that. But at least what I have seen so far, no Will Levis on the senior bowl roster to answer that question. To Bryce Young, 
We have been both high on him. We had him as our number one quarterback in the draft. We've been saying the Colts draft him, draft him, draft him. Dane Brugler agrees. And the thing I like the most, two things that Dane said I think are spot on and what gives me even more empowerment, more excitement about the Colts to draft him is, number one, again, outside of size, like we were talking about George on, on Tuesday's pod. And again, if you missed it, make sure you download, subscribe. That way you can check it out. We gave our quarterback rankings. We were saying, what else is anyone else saying about Bryce Young that's a negative outside of size? I couldn't see one. You couldn't find one. And even Dane saying it's really size. And it's really just, you know, the height and the weight of him not being ideal. And he is an outlier, yes. But I think the way Dane talks about his play style, and you've seen it in Alabama, I think it does work to where a smaller frame guy will be okay. He's a point guard. He's a guy that is just going to get the ball out. It doesn't matter. He's, you know, he's not locked in to one guy. He's not locked into a certain route. He just goes, whoever's open is open. And I think that does, for the most part, help keep your body um in good shape because if you just saying, all right, this is what I know. This is where the ball is going to go. You have good vision, which he has. He has good anticipation, which he has. He gets the ball out quick, which he does. Again, you're going to stay upright because even though Dane's saying sometimes there's a tendency to, you know, wait an extra second and make that, you know, that route open. He, again, he's taking good care of himself at Alabama. And you got to think if the Colts offensive line is going to rebound from last year, that he should rel- have relative time to get the ball out. And I think it also helps too when you kind of talk about the point guard role and how he plays it, George. Again, there's no number one lockdown receiver on the Colts right now. Michael Pippen Jr. is a solid receiver. I was hoping for a bigger jump this year, and I think part of his, I'll say regression, but regression this year is just in the fact that the quarterbacks were so bad that it was out of his control. But Alec Pierce is developing. You know, we'll see about Paris Campbell if the Colts can resign. That's a nice little uh, weapon as well. But there's no, like, all-star crew. So it's like, again, you're not relying on better talent around you to bail you out. He's a guy that just says, if you're open, I'm throwing you the ball. It doesn't matter who you are. I think that works out for right now what the Colts have on this offense. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think one of the things that Dane mentioned that I think is going to be critical for for Bryce moving forward is his ability to to not take that big hit. I think Russell Wilson was the master of that early in his career, you know, getting out of bounds, sliding, even just turning your body to make sure you don't take that hit. I think maybe the the guy who was best at that in NFL history was Wes Welker. You never saw him take that like full on blow. You know, he's a receiver. It's a different situation. But I think that's that's the number one thing for Bryce. Can you make sure that you never take that full on, you know, full force blow or limited? Never is is not going to happen. But, um, you know, limit it. Make sure that you're not taking these things full force. As far as his playing style and what he adds to a team, I, I go to the NBA. You know, Dane kept bringing up basketball. I look at his impact on a team similar to Chris Paul. It felt like everywhere Chris Paul goes, that team gets better immediately because of his distribution. He gets guys involved. He makes guys around him better. And I think that's that's what Bryce Young would bring to this Colts team. All of a sudden, a guy like Ashton Doolin has a lot more utility here yeah. because he's going to get more passes. You know, it, he's not going to suddenly become the volume guy, but he's going to get more passes with Bryce Young out there. The tight ends are going to get used more often. You know, Jelani Woods, uh, probably would 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 have a party uh if if they draft Bryce Young because I think his potential is going to be unlocked it, the running backs out of the backfield it, it doesn't matter I think all of a sudden every eligible receiver is in play you're 100% right and again I'm glad Dane brought this up it's like I think a fair question for CJ Stroud is how is he going to play when the talent around him is lesser and there's no doubt about it if the Colts are the you know uh do draft him the talent around him this year is gonna be worse than what it was at Ohio State in any of his two years there when you look at Alabama, I get it's Alabama, right? So they still have all these great athletes. But you look at truly who he was throwing the ball to. His best receiver, I'd argue, was Jameer Gibbs, who is a running back. 
whether it was the drops, a lot of Alabama receivers this year had the case of the drops and just could not hold down the ball in a consistent fashion. There's no one that's going to get, I would even say maybe drafted, let alone drafted in the first three rounds. Like we've seen Alabama pump out the last few years, whether it's Jameson Williams, which I know was there last year, but I think you saw Bryce Young still have a very productive season, despite the fact there's no Jameson Williams. There was no, you know, in C.J. Shroud's case, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Uh, you know, we can go down a list of the receivers he, you know, either C.J. Shroud played with or even guys like Tua Tungvaloa played with. And you had Jerry Judy there. You had Garrett Wilson. You had Henry Ruggs. Like, they had a lot of first-round talent at Alabama go at receiver. You're not having that this year whatsoever. So he has shown you, like I said, with his play style, it really is almost not talent-dependent where, again, he has shown he can put numbers no matter who's around him. And, again, I think it's a good thing if you're the Colts to look at where Dane's probably right where, yes, he's not going to uplift – um, an entire team like Andrew Luck did a decade ago, right? And it's also very unfair to put that expectation on any rookie quarterback because it's so hard to do that in general. But you look at even like a comp, I'm not saying he's Patrick Holmes. I'm not whatsoever. But you look at the Chiefs this year. I know they have Travis Kelsey. It's a little bit different. But you look at the receivers Patrick Holmes is throwing to. Look at the receivers he's throwing to. But he still is having a lot of success this year, even without Tyreek Hill. Why? Because it's the same kind of philosophy. The Andy Reid, you know, offense is basically just get the ball out. We're going to get what it doesn't like the offense is so well run. That it doesn't really doesn't matter who and what kind of talent you have. It's this is the, this is the play design. That's going to, this guy's going to be open. And Patrick Holmes, again, is having a great year. I think he's going to win the MVP, even though he's missing one of the top three receivers in the NFL, because he just gets the ball out and spreads it all around. And it's so hard to defend that when at any point, three, four, five different guys are the prime target. Like I said, tight end receiver running back. It makes it just so hard to defend. And Bryce Young, has shown you the ability to do the same thing, even with lesser talent, this Colts offense could go from zero like it was this year to 100 next year just because, again, even though it's not a massive talent increase, you just have the ability where everyone's a threat. You have to spread the defense out. You can't just lock on one or two guys, take them away, and all of a sudden the offense sputters like it did for 95% of this year, which is I, another reason, George. Add to the list. Draft Bryce Young. Let's go. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's where I think – you know, if you want to have any kind of hope or or faith in, in C.J. Stroud, that's where it comes in with him, too. Not so much spreading the ball, but what we had when we talked to you, if you missed the midweek pod, and, and you if you did, go back uh, everywhere where you listen to this pod and, and go grab it again. Uh, when we had Nathan Baird on from Cleveland.com, he said it's vision with C.J. Stroud as well. His, his ability to get the ball out quickly, to read the defense. That's what this team needs. Ultimately, yes. I think you've yes. got to come away with one of these two quarterbacks because both of them have that vision, that ability to spread the ball around. Uh, and I think they need that more than anything else on this offense. So, um, but I, to tie things in, because I don't want to go a whole pod without mentioning the head coach position, right? I mean, that would just be, I, I don't want people to start thinking a we're failure. sick. Um, this is one of the reasons why I lean towards Raheem Morris. Because I think you could bring in that Ram style of offense, and I think it's perfect for both of these guys. If I'm looking for a system that I want to put them in, it's that Ram style of offense where the open guy is the most important guy, and you're going to spread the ball around. You're not going to necessarily focus on one guy because Colts don't have that. I mean, like you you mentioned, you know. Now, granted, the Rams system when you get Cooper Cup, it, it, it evolves and you will feature somebody. Uh, but when you look at the way things are set up right now, Michael Pittman Jr. is a very good receiver and he's still got room to grow, but he's not Larry Fitzgerald. He's not Tyree Kill, you know, and so you're going to want to spread that ball around. I just feel like if you could bring in that Rams system uh, with either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, I think that's how you maximize these guys. I'm with you. And like, it's not to disparage Cooper Cup, but it's also like 
is Cooper Cup's success in large part because of his just freak, you know, freak athletic ability, or it's because he's kind of the perfect piece for what the offense is running. I'd argue he's more the perfect piece for the offense is running than just one of those naturally unguardable physical freaks that we've seen. So again, I think it just almost lends itself to, again, a bigger positive where, like I said, now if you just get the right fit, you don't need the best talent in the world in order to run an offense. Like I said, just get guys open. You can get guys open no matter they're, they're you know, without having a generational or, or a top three, top five wide receiver in your offense, if you had the right scheme in it, like I said, if you had the right quarterback, which especially for, for me with Bryce Young, I think is definitely kind of the, the perfect style that Colts should definitely strive for moving forward here. To wrap up, George, let's talk about the other two quarterbacks that we did head on with Dane, Anthony Richardson of Florida, Will Levis of Kentucky. Again, I think definitely both projects. And we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but it's like, it's such a, when you're sitting there in number one or in number four, I get ceiling is something that you want to, you know, you want to kind of climb onto and grab onto. But also there was a major, major risk with both Levis and Richardson of, you heard Dane, needing development. And I would guess, guess right now, early on, if they were to draft either one of those guys, you'd probably want them to not start the season. Obviously, like Dane mentions, good point. If they win in training camp, then fine. You got to put them on the field. I just don't see with what we saw with Will Levis, him coming out of training camp and beating whatever incumbent veteran is there. I don't see anything Richardson kind of putting things together in training camp and now being the day one starter. So you're going to need a lot of development and a lot of time. And while, yes, you could look at Josh Allen and it working out well. It's like, wow, look at like, of course you want Josh Allen. Well, again, let's not, like, you know, let's also not forget the, the Bills kind of did everything perfectly and also got lucky that Josh Allen was a quarterback that thought he was in terms of putting everything together at the highest level possible. Do you know how hard it is, George, to put everything together at the highest level possible? There's a reason why it rarely happens. It's so hard to do. And that's the biggest risk. And that's, again, why like I look at those two guys as three and four on our rankings just because, sure, you can look at the traits and say, wow, if they put it all together, this could be a home run. And it's possible. But the big thing is if they put it together, and I think it's more unlikely than likely that they do. And that's why if you're sitting there, pick one or four, I I just would not be a fan if those are either quarterback that's drafted. No, I think it's important to look at the situation that, that Josh Allen came into. Buffalo was a playoff team already when he got there. You know, Tyrod Taylor taking him to the postseason. They had a lot of pieces in place. They've added more around him since he got there. and They've done the right thing, but they had a lot going for them right there. That defense was already heading towards what it is, you know, right now. The offense didn't have Stefan Diggs, but they were a much better offense than the Colts have right now. Uh, I think that's a really important element in this. That's why when I look at Dane's mock draft, I think Detroit's a perfect landing spot for Anthony Richardson. That's the exact situation he needs. It's a good team. Jared Goff's going to be the quarterback for the next year or two there, no matter what. And Richardson can grow and and get time. I think here he would get rushed in the lineup because we can talk about whatever veteran you want to put in there. You keep Matt Ryan on board, you know, just for argument's sake right now. Uh, And he could start the season. But as that season starts to unravel, if it starts to go the way this year did, and you're three and five, or you're four and six, or you're something like that, the calls for Anthony Richardson are going to be, you know, through the roof. And 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 I think you're going to rush him. And I think that's where a lot of these quarterback mistakes are made. It's not always the quarterback that fails. Sometimes it's it's a system around him, you know, the coaches, the front office, uh, that that fail the quarterback. You know, that's what happened in Jacksonville last year. Dane brought that up. Oh you yeah, know, it wasn't Trevor Lawrence. It was it was Urban Meyer. You know, and 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 now I think that that's you got to be very careful with that. You know, I think Stroud and Young uh, have that ability to to kind of get through these these tougher times a little bit more. They they, they know it going in. You know what I mean? They'll understand that they're going to be the starter and that things might not go well in, in year one. Whereas Levis and Richardson, 
I, I don't know. I think you probably, like you said, you need more time, and I think you need more around. If you're going to draft one of those two guys, I, I think they're better off in places like Washington or da- Detroit, you know, places where there's some pieces already in place. I mean, you can make an argument if a young quarterback walks into Washington, has Terry McLaurin, that's a pretty good deal. You know, yeah. you'd probably be pretty happy about that. Uh, and what, what, aside from Jonathan Taylor and this defense, uh, when it's on its game, what is is good for a quarterback right now in Indy? So not much. And one thing that does not help them whatsoever is also the lack of patience. Like I said, that that's the one thing. Credit Buffalo is. I know Josh Allen got to the playoffs in year number two, but even look around the league. I, I know it was only five years ago, so it's really in one sense not that far away. But also with how fast things move, it, it kind of is that far away. Where patience is almost gone now. Like look at Zach Wilson. In New York, I don't think Zach Wilson is very good. I thought kind of the BYU 2020 glow up was more just a product of playing awful competition, and he was more of a fluke. But he's, I mean, his career in New York is done after two years. Sam Darnold had three years out. Now, Sam Darnold doesn't really, didn't really work out too well for sure. But you see now that, like, Zach, you rarely, Josh Rosen in uh, Arizona, one and done. You, you know, you're seeing more and more now teams pull the trigger faster on moving off of quarterbacks. And if the Bills did that, I mean, I know they got to the playoffs in year number two, but it's not like Josh Allen played well that season. And in the playoff game, you know, lost, uh, you know, was a big part of the reason why the Bills lost that game. So you see, like, credit to Buffalo where they stuck with it, they hung with them and were patient. I mean, can we sit here and honestly trust George that Jim Mersey, uh, this time two years from now, let's say after the 2024 season is over, if Anthony Richardson is up and down or at a similar two years as Josh Allen, can I seriously trust that Jim Mercy is going to say, yeah, we're going to stick with. Anthony Richardson, we're going to double down and get him a receiver that he needs. Like, I don't think so. This is a guy, like I said, you see when he kind of gets impatient this year, what happens? Chaos happens. Usually it's not good. I can't sit there and actually trust that if you go with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, Jim Mercer will have the patience in two or three years to still kind of ride through the up and downs. They're definitely going to be there in order for his Dane put kind of grow out of their flaws and kind of, if they are going to blossom, blossom into this quarterback, it's going to take time. I don't think the Colts had the benefit of time with just the way their owner is. And even with, with Chris Bowd, where it's kind of like you got to win now because your your job's on the line. I'll, I'll go one better on you on there. I don't know. Make Ooh. it through next year. I mean, wow. if, if you look wow. at if the season went really poorly and they're in the top five again and you've got a shot at Caleb Williams or Drake May, I I could see them moving on right there. Uh, and, and I think that's something that it's not good for young quarterbacks. It, you know, no. it, it's not good for your franchise. I mean, say what you will about the actual move, getting Kyler Murray instead of Josh Rosen was obviously a good idea, but look where Arizona is, you know, when all is said and done, they've had one playoff appearance. They lost in the first round. It's not, they're hiring a new head coach and a new general manager. It's not something that's been a boon for the franchise. Right. Right. That's, that's, Good point. Also, too, I think another point fair to mention. If, like I said, if, if they go Levis or Richardson, more unpolished, more time, and things go badly again, you're sitting there in the top five. Not only, you're right, could they move off of that quarterback in one year, but even if they decide to keep him, you're going to probably have a new GM. And all of a sudden, now you're bringing a new GM that is not going to have a tie to the quarterback, which, again, that just makes him more and more likely to move off and get his guy in the building. So that's why I just don't, don't think that a project kind of quarterback like Richardson or Levis – uh, especially again, if you're picking a number four or at number one is worth it. I think again, Bryce Young is clearly number one, but even if you go CJ Stroud, at least he's, I think I liked your question to, to Dane higher floor. I think that's fair. But the big question for, you know, for CJ is, can he play well when the talent around him is not that great, but like, he's definitely a more polished quarterback and same with Bryce Young than the other two quarterbacks, which is why, again, if you're, 
Chris Ballard, it should really between really be between Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I pick yep. number one, pick number four, wherever you pick, and it has to be between those two guys. Because again, you just don't right now with the way the Colts are, you don't have the the luxury of patience. Nope, I agree hundred percent. I think you've got to where you're picking right now and the ability that you have to move up. You've got to walk out of this draft with either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, one of the two. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Anything else, I think, is a failure. And like I said, and I think just really kind of helps expedite the the uh, ouster of Chris Ballard uh, for sure. So that will do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. A lot of fun. Really do thank Dane again for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that interview. It was very informative. Again, Dane is one of the most knowledgeable, I would say the most knowledgeable draft analysts that you will kind of hear of uh, here from the next four months. So make sure you do read his work and make sure you check him out because he'll be loading up mock drafts and continue to kind of give his analysis. But I will say... Fan favorite, George, when you put Bryce Young number one, definitely uh, earns a soft spot in our, our hearts for sure. That is uh, that is for sure. So we appreciate Dan coming on here. And we will be back next week, as always. We'll definitely, I'm sure, have more head coaching updates. Colts continue to be tight lip, George. Right now, it's Raheem Morris is the only guy you're hearing about. No one else. Uh, should have a few more interviews next week. But Chris Ballard, I'll give him credit. He said it in the end of the year presser that they're going to take their time. And so far, sitting here on January 19th with really – even no inclination of decision coming close, he's truly taking his time and going through uh, each candidate one at a time. That's for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, I think part of that too, as you look at it, um, a lot of their candidates are have interviewed with other teams, but you're not hearing that they're in danger of losing one of them right now. You've not heard that, like, oh, the favorite in Carolina is Raheem Morris, or you know, the favorite right. in Denver is, is is you know maybe I guess Dan Quinn is probably pretty heavily in the mix there, but he's just new to this Colts mix, so. Um, I think that plays into it too. You know, right now you're not feeling like, oh, we might lose one of these guys to another team. That that helps you be patient. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Um, I, I do think you're going to see some movement next week. They should finish up this first round of interviews this weekend, and next week they some some real things coming together for this team because um, I I just think you'll start to see the second interviews come in there, and then they'll start to pare down this list and. And I think you'll, I, as we said before, I, I think you'll see someone in place by January 31st. We said the over-under January 31st. We both said we'll have a head coach or the Colts have a head coach by then. Like I said, it's, we're getting close, but like I said, I think I'm with you. I think next week we'll really kind of see uh, from all five teams, by the way, not just the Colts, all five teams kind of really start kicking a high gear and kind of zero in on the head coaching candidates they do want to hire. So again, I appreciate you tuning in for, to this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget, Make sure you check us out on YouTube, Odyssey Sports. We'll be posting a lot more content. So forget to listen to us. If you want to look to look at two strapping, handsome men talk about the Colts, YouTube is your place to go at the uh, at the Blue Horseshoe Pod tab on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. We're posting a lot more content there as well. So make sure you check us out there as well. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week right here in the Blue Horseshoe Pod.